A full plan is everything. I mean, it's looking at income expenses, debt assets, the way you're investing. And it's looking at that every year and mapping out those goals that you want. And we're sort of placing those goals along that timeline and saying, you know, here's where children might happen. Here's where a home purchase might happen. You know, maybe maybe a cottage is a, you know a goal in the future. And here's what retirement, you know, this is my ideal retirement date or financial independence or whatever, whatever you want to have happen. And so let's see what that looks like and how do we get there in the best way possible. I hate it when I see a bank graph and it's got that constant rate of return like that doesn't happen. (laughs) That never happens. Like, how are you showing somebody's retirement? It's got this great build up and this nice drawdown. I'm like, that's not reality. Things happen. So what's the scenario and what do we do? And, you know, we need to talk about that is what happens if investment returns are flat for 10 years. This is the Personal Finance Show. Hi, I'm Bo Humphreys, and this is The Personal Finance Show. Owen Winklemolin wants you to talk to someone, anyone, before you make any investment decisions. Ideally, it would be someone in the personal finance realm, a coach like me, or a financial planner or advisor. But please just talk to someone, because if you do, you might save yourself from making the huge financial mistake Owen made in his late 20s. You'll have to listen to the episode to find out exactly what happened. But let's just say it was a bad enough experience that Owen decided to start learning as much as he could about personal finance, which ultimately led to the creation of his company, PlanEasy.ca. Owen joined me in the studio in Hamilton to tell his personal finance story. I don't know if it's my earliest money memory, but it's my most vivid for sure. So you know when you open a bank account as a kid and you have that experience, you go to the bank, you get the booklet and you get all that sort of stuff. But... That wasn't even the thing that was impactful for me. It was the interest rate. Oh, so you remember what it was? I remember the interest rate. You? So I was probably six or eight at okay. the time. I okay. can't remember exactly, but you know, fairly young. And you have a bit of money from birthdays and sure. you know whatever that it you was know, in doing cash, some chores. And in now cash. you're bringing it in. So your parents take you and you go open your bank account, okay. and it's this whole experience. And I, I think Royal Bank at the time gave you five dollars as well. So as a kid, you're like, sweet, like five bucks. Yeah. And, but it wasn't the bank account. It was the interest rate because, and, and this is going to date me a little bit, but yeah. the interest rate at the time was like four or 6%. Okay. Compounded monthly. Oh, And nice. six or eight year old me didn't realize what compounded monthly meant. Sure. I thought that meant that every month you're getting six or 8%. Yeah. yeah. So for the first month, it was really funny. I was at home, you know, eight-year-old me on my calculator <laughs> the saying, calculations. I said, you know, $110 or whatever I had yeah. in there at 1.06, yeah. repeat, 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 repeat. I'm like, <laughs> I am going to be filthy rich. I'm going to be so rich. That's right. So that was my first big money memory of, of thinking like, this, this is amazing. Like, why is everybody not doing this? So you realize the power of compound interest a little bit. Totally like, by accident. Totally by accident, but and a little bit wrong, of course. Totally wrong. So 30 <laughs> days later, you know, I go to update my bank book and, and I'm thinking like, this is great. I'm going to have $6 in yeah, there or whatever it was. Yeah, exactly. And it ends up being like, you know, 60 cents, yeah, like one tenth or one twelfth of that amount. And then it, it hits home. I'm like, oh, oh, it, it's, it's 6% per year. 
but they just give it to you every month. That's the compounded monthly piece. But it's a good point, though. It's like, why do we present things in such a confusing way? Well, probably so, you know, you, you, get, you get tricked like that. Right? Yeah, well, but why? Like, <laughs> why know. is it so important for banks to trick us, right? It's ah, like, why don't you just tell me what I'm going to get every month? Sure, that's right. Just like, say it's 30 cents or 60 yeah, cents. Yeah. Just don't say, say 6% compounded. Yeah. Yeah. Say it's a, a quarter of a percent, you know, whatever, for whatever period it that's is. That's right. That's right. Well, <laughs> or, that, or say annually, right? You can say annually. And why are yeah. we compounding things monthly? Yeah, and then daily and making it very confusing so six six or eight year old me i was i was very confused by yeah, that of course you know were. for the thir- first 30 days and i thought you know i'm going to be insanely wealthy and i'm going to keep saving and so that was my first big money experience is yeah. understanding that compound interest is completely by accident is this amazing thing yeah and then having this huge letdown <laughs> 30 days later <laughs> when you know it's not quite what i thought still really great Still nice to have money. Still nice to have money and still nice to have a compound, but it's, you know, one twelfth of how powerful I thought it was. Still still really cool. And it's gonna take a while to get to that. It's gonna take longer. Six dollars. That's right. (laughs) That's right. It's gonna take longer, but it's still pretty neat. And so did that impact how you continued to save? I think it did. It didn't, like, I didn't all of a sudden want to save, you know, a huge amount of money. But I think always in the back of my head, I had this understanding of of what saving meant yeah and if you could save and if you could put money in the bank or you know investments in in the future right it it had this powerful compounding effect that it would make money for you it'll grow and yeah and you know i kind of i like that they presented it that way because it did sort of you know it made me it made me believe it was bigger than it was but it really got me hooked and sort of by accident i came across that you know compounding interest and how powerful it can be but did yeah. one of your parents explain? Like, no. did they read it? Like, they did didn't you notice. Just read it? Like, well, how did you know? Even they probably you had it, it on a pamphlet or okay, something. Okay, so they right? gave and you so some I, kind of they, document. Yeah, you know, they give you some documentation, yeah. and they probably say, you know, you're going to get interest every month, and it's, you know, it's this much, and it's compounded monthly. And I wish all kids were as engaged <laughs> as you. And you have kids now. I have kids now. Yeah, I have a five year old and a three year old. So are, it, it, have either of them across this uh, path we haven't uh, done the opening bank accounts yet we talk about credit cards you know because they see us use credit cards at at the grocery checkout and you know they want to swipe it right so they want (laughs) to now that you can tap it they want to do that yeah and you have to explain you know what that that means means. yeah what that means that this is money and we're you know mommy and daddy are going to pay for that later we're going to get a bill and we're going to pay that you know using the money we earn it's not it's not just this magic thing where you swipe a piece of plastic and you you get stuff at the it does seem like magic though it does seem like magic and to like you know for me a six-year-old compound interest felt like magic and to them you don't also want to get them in that uh, situation where they don't fully understand so did you just slip like compound interest into the story time not yet but i i have i've got a little side project which is the bank of mom and dad.ca and it is a compound interest a virtual bank account for parents to set up with their children okay and so you can set the interest rate and maybe that's because of my experience but i thought how neat would it be if a parent could instead of paying two percent you know, on a, on a Royal bank, you know, bank account that they have today or less. What if they could give their kids 12% per year or 20% per year, you know, give them at least while they're young and they have $20 in that, that account, let them see the compounding happen. More engaging. More engaging. And you get to see a couple pennies every day, right? When it's 20% on $20, you get to see a couple pennies every day and that's kind of neat. So you're, you're actually making happen what you wanted to happen. (laughs) (laughs) I want parents to do that for their children. So what is, what is it that does this? So it's uh, it's a very simple app. It's just the beta Mm -hmm. and it's really a side project. 
project. I thought it would be fun to yeah. set this up. But I think the idea is really neat. I think the sure. experience of having them like really see compound interest and how it works and, you know, a couple pennies every day. Um, and then and then let parents talk about that. Right. So have that start the conversation. And I think 20 percent is a neat number because that just happens to be what credit cards are. Right. Yeah. So you can say, you know, if this works in, op- in reverse, comparison. you know, yeah. you you can have to pay a couple pennies a day. So it opens up a, a couple conversations with with children. Yeah. Do you have that quote about compound interest in your head? Like if it works for you or works against you, like it could do either like, uh, yeah, you know, so much good or so thing. much harm. That's right. Mm-hmm. Because like you just said, it could if you're 20 percent down, that's terrible. 20 percent. Uh, on the positive and the savings would yeah. be amazing, yeah. but it never works that way. No. Not right now. No, but you I, can do that for your kid, right? When it's a hundred dollars, yeah, that's or twenty. That's great. Yeah, and just and then explain to them when they're eighteen that okay, so now you're gonna not it's actually see two. This. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually you have to pay the bank these days <laughs> a little bit. to keep the money in. That's there. right. Yeah, <laughs> but at least they understand how it works, and um, if they do get into debt. You know, they they really appreciate what that means on yeah. the other side as well. Well, I re- what I really want to do is is get into a huge conversation about the money mammals and talk to you about that. But we'll talk about that later. I want to get back to you. So you now you know about compound interest, and you obviously know you're know enough to know about numbers, and you're you seem to be pretty good with numbers. Yeah, I like uh, numbers. So you're paying attention to this uh, savings as you go, or no? A little bit, but what really um I remember. The other thing that I really remember being a kid is reading the business section of the newspaper. You did? What, yeah. at six or eight? or Probably a little bit older than that. <laughs> a little bit older than that. Yeah. But I always used to get up, you know, fairly early before my parents. And we had this wow. little, you know, gas, you know, heater in our house. Our, mostly it was wood stove, right? That's how we, we heated our house back in the day. And um, But there was this little gas heater. So I would sit in front of that and read the paper every morning. <laughs> I would read the business like, section. Like a 75-year-old man? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> I, so, I, you know, maybe I've got an old soul. So that, wow. that was me at like maybe 10 or 12 um, for half an hour, an hour in the morning. I'd be flipping through the newspaper and kind of reading these business section. And, and I just found it so fascinating. So that, that wow. was the other piece that sort of... Um, you know, propelled me, I guess, a little bit down the path that I'm on now. Yeah. So and you're from like 10 to 12 or something. <laughs> what are you, what are you reading about? Like uh, are companies you like or just learning about how business works? Just in general, like, you know, they're, they're short articles. Like they're not super in depth. And, yeah. You know, it was fairly accessible. I probably didn't understand half of it to be honest, yeah. but I was flipping through and, you know, I would read the comics as well. Don't get me yeah. wrong. But <laughs> the business section really stuck with me. I mean, I can relate too. I, I I don't know why some of us are interested in how businesses work. And yeah. I guess would you be looking at things like stock charts and, and uh, that too? I, I did find that interesting. I think, yeah, the articles on the business and my parents had their own business, okay, have their yeah. own business. Yes. And so they were doing that and I saw them being entrepreneurial and, and going mm. through, you know, it's difficult and it takes a lot of work and I think that uh, just got me really in tune to understanding how this all works. Did they talk to you about their business? <sighs> we like saw in terms it. of the finances or anything no, like that. No, no, so that was all just kept. That was yeah. all. Yeah, we never saw that as children. But because they worked in the house, you know, conversations at the dinner table. Of you know, they'd be working after dinner. You know, my mother did most of the the office work. The you know, sort of handling the, the administration, administration, yeah. and you know, checks and employees okay. and, and all that sort of stuff. My dad was out working, so they have a tree nursery, so they're out in the mm. field, and he's you know managing the employees and sure. making sure everything gets done. We just saw a lot of that, either by osmosis. So you or knew it was a business. We knew it was a business. We knew what was happening. We didn't know the numbers, but 
Did you the jumping ahead? Did you get involved in the business at all later? No, Never no. Do any of my, the... my brothers, my two okay. younger brothers, yeah. are in the process of taking over. I see. Okay, yeah. so it's already there's a plan. There's uh, a plan in place. In place? It's okay. a family business, so it does. You know, and your parents tr- are retiring. They are in the in the process, in the process of retiring right now. Okay, That's right. yeah. interesting. Yeah. And this is uh, this sounds like a, a big uh, a big nursery. It is now, yeah. yeah. It's quite. Um, they have six hundred plus acres. Okay, um, that's a they lot. They started acres. with yeah. ten in the late seventies. Yeah. So my parents immigrated from Holland uh, in seventy five or seventy six. Okay. Well, so yeah. So your parents came over. They Not, came it's over. Usually grandparents. Uh, at, at our no. Uh, you, you're, yeah. you seem like you're a similar age as uh, as me. I'm in. I'm thirty eight. Okay. Yeah. 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 So thirty six. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. That's interesting. So your parents came over. So my hmm. parents came over. They met in BC in the early 70s. So my dad was in a van out in BC. So I'll <laughs> let that paint the picture. Down by the river. And so, you know, my uh, my dad's there with his friend, two Dutch guys. They're living in a van, you know, doing, you know, horticulture type work. Okay. You know, my mom and her friend are in Penticton, I think. Penticton, yeah. And they're, um, you know, they're living in a house doing their thing and they came over to North America to have that experience. They came separately. They came separately. Interesting. They meet there in BC, <laughs> and it turns out they only live like 35 <laughs> kilometers apart in Holland. Oh, and man. And it's just that it's such a small space, and you know, there's a lot of different communities. You just sure. you wouldn't have crossed paths necessarily. Well, there's a lot of Dutch people in Canada. It's there not like it's like they found the only other Dutch person or something. It's yeah, like, yeah. You know, it's very popular, and I think it was especially you know back then. And right? that's that's why they came is because they're you know it was very popular to come here and they wanted to start a farm a tree nursery you can't do that in Th- wait okay did they both independently want to start a tree nursery because that's crazy i think they wanted <laughs> i think definitely it's my my dad's side like he yeah he, you know he was in the horticulture school and you know that was okay so yeah he's ed- very educated in this very thing. educated okay. and so they wanted you know he wants to start a tree nursery and how you know however he convinced my mother okay, to so she partake like, she got on the so same they're, page they're <laughs> on the same page they're doing this together yeah but you can't do that in holland you can't do that in europe because the land is just too expensive i see so they have they had this experience in canada and they say let's go back okay and so in 75 76 they come back they buy you know the first piece of land but the problem with growing trees is it takes four, it, yeah, five, it takes six a long years. time yeah so you know those those first years are tough right and they're they're trying to make the farm work and still work you know jobs to to pay the bills so. i hear you we we uh moved into a house in 84 in uh, timmins in northern yeah. ontario yeah and there were trees planted along the back and by the time i was a teenager uh we got uh, christmas trees now yeah they, they were they were pine trees yeah and so it's like wow we can just walk through the backyard and do yeah whatever. it's amazing it's just on the side it yeah. wasn't a business it just takes 10 12 it just years. takes a long time <laughs> that's right. right that's compound interest right there yeah so <laughs> for me as a you know when i was growing up we yeah. didn't we didn't have a lot because they were just starting their business and of course the cycles are so long that you know now they're doing really well but you know, those first 10, 15 yeah, years. Yeah, how does it work? Well, how are you making money in the first bit? How well, that, did they that's talk it. about that? They, you know, they worked other jobs. They worked other jobs. They worked other okay. jobs and they would work, wow. you know, holidays, weekends, evenings. What um, foresight to, to like, or what like patience, I guess they patience would Patience and yeah. They, the, you know, your dad knew about maybe this. Stubbornness <laughs> But he knew that it would turn into this. And it, was there like any talk about building this, a legacy? Is that like... To your, you said your brothers? Yeah. So they, you know, sort of, I guess, 10, 10, 15 years ago, they started to realize that now it's the time, you know, to start transitioning. Yeah. And 
it was never really a big interest for me. I worked on the farm ever ever since I was young. Okay, so you've always so uh, I, the whole family. Maybe that uh, yeah, the whole family, you know, we would um we would spend summers, they would be working, we would be in the field with them. Yeah. You know, when we were younger, we were just playing, doing whatever. Sure. And then, you know, we actually started working as well. They would and pay us chores. $2 an hour. Yeah, okay. You know, and we'd be out so there working. Money. They would hire students and, you know, they'd have summer students. And so we'd be side by side. We'd be working with them. I and was going to ask about your first job. And so that's probably... That was my first job. first job. A so little bit of child labor, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's okay if it's your kid, right? Seems to be. <laughs> Seems to be. I don't know the laws about that. I'm not. It's all gray. I didn't Let, ask. Let's just, uh, we'll move past this topic. That's right. <laughs> That's right. But no, they, so they gave you a little bit of money. Let's call it an allowance, actually. Yeah. Um, probably your, because I'm guessing you didn't get any other kind of allowance if you got. We had a quarter. You? Okay. A quarter per week. A quarter. <laughs> That's it. I don't but know if that was a lot. We felt the, it was We're great. the same age, so a quarter sounds like nothing to me. It wasn't a ton. You could buy penny candies. That's when uh, penny candies still, still existed. Yeah, they still had that. Yeah. Well, they still do now, but it's what? Is it quarter candy now? Yeah, you, you can buy you, one piece of candy. What do you do with your kids? Do, do they get we don't get. We haven't done that yet. No, they're still, we haven't gotten quite, still young. Yeah, they're still too young. They have a bank, a piggy bank, and we you know put a quarter in there once in a while. Um, when Opa and Oma came over, you know, my parents... You know, my dad will give them a quarter and they'll run over to the bank, <laughs> piggy bank, and put it in. Nice. So. Okay. So they they have that. So they, they understand. Because I've had this conversation about, like, is physical money still a thing? And are are we wasting our time teaching our kids what coins and bills are if they're just going to be using credit? I think it's... I think it's important. I think yeah. they need to know how that works in the physical. Sure. And you can see it and feel it and touch it. And, you know, it, it makes it real. Mm. But there is a whole second dynamic, which is this virtual money. Which is what you talked to them about already with the tap. Because they already see it. They already experience it. Where I I wouldn't have necessarily experienced that. No. At least I don't remember as a kid. No, because... Seeing my parents pay with with credit card, it just... Well, my dad always had cash on him. So I can say that. Credit cards, I, I think at that time were more for big purchases or like things you needed to like hotels and credit card and right. sorry and uh, rental cars. Right. Right. So but, it was mostly cash. But now it's it makes so much more sense to not carry cash. Yeah. Well, because it's heavy and yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you pay by your phone, right? So now it's, it's ubiquitous. So that's yeah. why everybody takes the in Canada like you can use tap everywhere. That's right. right? And in Australia and too. M- yeah. Australia's yeah. great for that. Yeah. The United uh, States, no way. Not as good. No, I tapped at a Panera Bread in South Carolina. I think the guy's eyes almost flew out of his head. He had no. He's like, you can't do it. What? Amazing. <laughs> no, Amazing. it doesn't work. What? What did you just do? Yeah. How did you? It says yeah. approved. Yeah, I couldn't imagine the world without tap anymore. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so convenient. Like, are we spoiled? Is there like, do you see a negative? Like, uh, you know, spoiler alert: you work in the financial space. Do you see this as a negative at all in terms of spending? I don't think so. I don't think so. Convenience? Perhaps. Perhaps. I mean, it's easier to spend for sure. But is that a negative thing? I think if you've you've already had those challenges, you know, with cash, Mm. it's still going to be a challenge regardless of the medium. It maybe makes it a bit easier. But, you know, my wife, when she has cash, she spends it faster than credit. Okay. And and so I don't think it's necessarily the medium of you how you transact. Interesting. It um it's more like your habits. I think it's, you know, a lot of personal finance is driven by habit. Probably habits that you picked up from your parents or friends or 
Yeah. You know, that's what really drives what you're purchasing is like every time you walk by, by that coffee shop, you're, you're buying a coffee or a donut or something. So the medium won't change that. It maybe makes it a bit easier sure. because maybe if you didn't have cash, you wouldn't have gone in and now you have tap, you can quickly do that. But I think the triggers and the habits, like they're still existing there. And so unless you're addressing that, I don't think, I think you're still going to have a challenge if that's what you have a challenge with. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Okay. We'll get back to that. So back to you. You're working for basically, you know, you're, you're a, a servant to yeah. your parents, um, free labor basically for them. And, uh, but you're getting your allowance of $2 an hour <laughs> working after, well, so you're in high school now. So, yeah. So I worked for them until 16. Okay. Yeah. So from and about then, yeah, 10 sorry. to 16 and then, you know, I, I sort of wondered, okay, what sort of other jobs yeah. are out there? <laughs> so I got a job at Canadian Tire in <laughs> the garden, in the garden center. <laughs> well, so they probably hired you because you had a farm experience. Exactly. That's yeah. right. They're like, oh, this guy can work. He's been working <laughs> since he's 10 and we can pay him minimum wage. I talked wage. to his dad. He takes $2. <laughs> That's right. We'll give him 250 I don't know if they checked my references or not. <laughs> I never asked. So I, I got a job at Canadian Tire at 16 because I could drive one? a Brantford. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we were out in the country, so you had to drive to these sort of jobs, right? Yeah. So I'm 16, I got a car, I can drive to this this job at Canadian Tire. You're a grown-up. Yeah, sort of making minimum wage, getting 40 bucks for a shift, right? Okay, um, yeah. Or whatever that But you're was. making your own money now. Making my own money. Not taking it from the family. I always thought that was interesting, because I used to work for my parents uh, yeah. at my dad's dental office uh, doing janitorial work, and I'm like, I'm taking money from my parents. Yeah. Isn't it better that we all take money from somebody else? Right. My mom worked for my dad as well. So it's like it's all coming from my dad. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What do you think about that? I think I, at least for me personally, I always felt a lot of pressure working for my parents because it was physical work and you would be working on a crew, you know, three, four, five, six people doing a specific job, you know, suckering or, you know, pruning trees or whatever that needed to be. And I always felt like I need to work hard because I'm I'm being judged as like the you know the owner's son. Yeah. And I don't want that to be a thing and I want to make sure that everybody knows that I can do as much or more, right? So I actually felt the opposite. I felt like I'm working harder or as hard as everybody else because I need to need to prove that a little bit, right? But you didn't stick with it nor did you feel compelled to take over the business. I think at one point it's it's 6 years you're like I need to change. I need to yeah. do I need to do a well, different the job. Well, the entire thing, yeah. Yeah, I need to experience like what a different job is like because it's only been with my parents. And so you get a job at Canadian Tire where it's a bunch of kids working in a garden center. Sure. And it's this whole Got different world. Yeah. 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 And there's not the same pressure, right? So there's a bit of uh, you know, you're socializing at work oh, that and that seems a lot easier for you. It did. It felt a lot easier. And you're time. making cash, yeah. more money. Yeah. Well, maybe they increased the They did increase, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't say at $2 forever. <laughs> I don't know. Did you, would your mama put you through payroll? Or did you yeah. just get... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, at a certain point. Once you had a social insurance number. Yeah, we were always paid on the books. and Which now we, they get it from birth. They do, yeah. Baby Henry's got That's a That's right. Well, you have benefits and everything. So it all, <laughs> it's all tied together. That's crazy. I know. He got I his know. health card. Uh, he's got everything. Like yeah. He's got more things than a lot of people. I don't know if it's mandatory. They definitely encourage it. Yeah. Yeah. I just did it because it was part of the five and one. That's right. Fill out all those papers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. Why not? Right. I know. So Canadian Tire, how long did you work there? Not, not really long. 12 months maybe. Okay. And then, and then I heard you say Janet. So I became a janitor. You did? At a okay. private school. Oh, nice. Yeah. So there was a small private school out in the country, you know, around yeah. where we live. 
and they um they had just started out and they were fairly small like they were growing as the mm. grades you know kind of expanded yeah and so they were up to grade five so they had a small space and they um they were looking for somebody you know high school student and this just was after perfect school. after school go in but like mopping everything was there like was it it's small but was it like a gym or anything big like that they had a big open space but yeah it was uh five or six rooms at the time and a big open space was like the gym slash auditorium in the middle of the school they had sort of custom built this building that could expand as they as they would grow yeah yeah and um yeah they would have me in for two hours after school and I would mop the floors, clean yep. the blackboards, you know, put all the chairs on the desks, clean out all the garbage bins. And, Anything uh, about any bad horror stories? You oh, got to yeah. have one. Oh, yeah. Because I was cleaning the bathrooms, okay, too. Oh, I, there's not even one. <laughs> oh, wait, okay. You said bathrooms. There's some awful it. things that happen with children <laughs> in the bathroom. Awful, awful things. Awful <laughs> things. Why does it always come down to poop of some kind? It's just, you know, that's the most memorable thing. It's just <laughs> it's awful. It's the worst thing we can imagine. It's just the worst thing, especially when... Yeah, it's children. Yeah. So wow. So anyway, and they're not even there. You can't even yell at them. No, (laughs) no. And they loved me. So that that was an amazing place to work. The kindergarten kids, yeah, would come up and hug me. Oh, so you were there during uh, school hours? I would come at about three thirty after high school. Oh, they're still getting on the bus and everything. Yeah. And so all of these kids knew me, (laughs) and it's really funny because all of the janitor type stuff, like they thought I lived there. Uh, Yeah. You know, so it's those types of things where you're like, this is really funny. You just went, took a nap somewhere else, and came back to your. So and and especially the kindergartners, right? Because they didn't quite get the whole, you know, know, this this person's here for a couple (laughs) hours to clean up in the evening, right? So they thought I lived there, and but they would come over. I'd be carrying two trash bags. They'd come over, and like ten of them would give me a hug, right? And yeah. So it was a really fun place to well, work, and nice. they gave me a lot of um, responsibility. I could, I would close up the school. You know, all the sure. teachers would be gone. Key holder. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm, That's you know, I'm 17. Sure. And I'm the one closing this place up every night, right? So it sounds like you're a pretty trustworthy kid. I must have been. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. You're making okay, so you're making cash for Canadian Tire and from this place, which you shifted over to. Yeah, I mean, being janitor is not easy. You know, we don't have to talk about that much, but you know, it's uh, it's just cleaning up, and uh, it gives you perspective, right? It does. People make a mess, you clean it up. You you at the end of the day are making the thing refreshed again. You're giving yeah. them a new day. Yeah. And people don't have to clean up their mess. I don't know. I feel like there's something there, but <laughs> there's some kind of psychology going on. Like people should clean up their own mess, but we can move on from that. <laughs> you're, what are you doing with this money that you're making? I'm saving it. Uh, like in what, and then that 4% uh, bank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically, basically <laughs> it wasn't, you know, I think I had given my mom a thousand to put into like a mutual fund. Okay. And like under, under an RSP. Yeah. Or something like that. And, um, I think I took it out eight months later cause nothing had happened. <laughs> right. So it was one of those yeah. things and I was going to university that and sounds about right. Yeah. It just, you know, my time frame wasn't, well, you wasn't need that right. money. You yeah. Need, I need that money. So there's no, there's no time to put any money in a tax deferred account or even in a fund that's supposed to grow over decades no. when you're a kid not at that age even in your early 20s no. you need money to s- you're saving up an emergency fund or maybe you're even that's thinking right. about you're buying getting a house. started that's right like I, I mean i i like the idea of regular contributions to whatever tax deferred accounts uh, you know whenever you can yeah but uh, hopefully that's on top of the other things that you're doing because just to right. do it from now you're locking in money you might need you might even just want to go to hawaii or something yeah i mean that you know i had a trip to europe right that was that was what i was spending my money on is um 
you know, sort of those experiences and yeah, and you go to universities and experience and that takes a lot of money as well. Yeah. So you're saving for that. Did you, was it spending money or did you, were you saving for tuition? Or? It was spending, it was a bit of spending money, a bit of both. So my, um, my parents covered tuition nice. and my plan, I went to McMaster yeah. and so my plan was to live at home and drive in. I had a cheap car. Makes sense. How yeah. long, how long is the commute? So that would have been probably 30, 35 minutes. Sure. That's nothing. It's not bad. That's easy. But my mom said, no way. Really? Yeah. She's like, I will pay for you to go to, you know, to go she to the residence. She to have the experience. That's right. And of course, okay. after that, you can't, you can't possibly go back, right? So yeah, I'm at, uh, you know, I'm in the residence for the first year and we meet all these people. And, yeah. You know, you're, you know, you want to get a student a house together. World. It's a new world. Yeah. So, you know, now we're paying 300 bucks, 310, I think, yeah. for like a basement. How many people? A room in a basement. There were six of us in a house. Yeah. Yeah. And I think <laughs> after we left, they like converted it to be eight or something like that. <laughs> Just pack them in. So, yeah. Did, now, was there ever any thought, like, did your parents have this thought of, uh, you know, let's buy a house and rent it out? Did you guys ever talk about that wealth kind of building stuff? But they were focused on the business. They were focused on the business. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure. That didn't come up. That didn't come up. No, it's not. It, some people think about that and it's like, wow, like good, good foresight or. You know, now now we have hindsight. Like that would have been a great idea. It would have been in Hamilton, yeah. But yeah, right yeah, <laughs> at this yeah. point, and you were probably in Westdale or right we, near the campus. We were, yeah. We were had a so, um, and actually, I met my wife. We were friends before, okay. so we were in this house together. That's yeah. why I say we. So yeah. Oh we, yeah. Okay. We so were on um, King Street in Westdale between the university and Westdale. Oh yeah, Village. yeah, nice. So beautiful spot. Really nice area. Beautiful, yeah. Um, so great experience. So we were in the same place for the three years. Uh, after the first year in in residence, so how are they paying for this? Did they save? Did they have? Again, we're talking about foresight in this. Yeah. Did they have the foresight to save, or did they go into debt for this? They weren't saving. I mean, at the beginning, you know, we we didn't have a lot of money, right? Yeah. So they they were putting everything back in the business, of course, yeah. and it wasn't until it wasn't really until I was in high school that things really started to pick up. Okay. So the money sort of came from that extra cash. Gotcha. So okay. now there so was, now there was cash, but it wasn't savings. In a way they, they saved by building this business yeah. early. Yeah. yeah. That's, oh, wow, yeah. there's so many parallels here. It's yeah. like, because <laughs> yeah. you have this business idea, you know, like it's, we take blogging for an example, right? Everyone's like, I'm going to make money blogging. Right. And, uh, yeah. Okay. And then six months goes by and they're like, I, where's my money? That's right. right. It takes and it takes so long. It takes a long time. But if you start blogging in say 2011, like Tom Drake, yeah, or uh, you know 2005, like Jim Wang, who yeah. who sold uh, I've just listened to podcasts who sold bargaineering dot com for yeah. three million dollars. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it just um, takes time. Yeah, you got to stick with it. And but you don't know. And and no. so you have to have some either belief or patience or you know um, for say Jim for example, it was just a hobby on the side. He never yeah. expected it to yeah. to make money. Your parents though, I mean. I but mean, that was but your dad, it was his, it was his dream. His they love. wanted to do this. They yeah. wanted to do this. I mean, this. they wanted a successful business for sure. Of course. But I mean, if they would have been like, we need this to, to serve, to make us money now, uh, you know, and if they didn't have the passion, it right. wouldn't have stuck no. with it. I mean, the dedication, like I said, stubbornness, right? Yeah, like I suppose, it, it yeah. does take a lot to get through those, those difficult times. And they're, you know, there's a lot of challenges with, with a farm. Especially, uh, you know, a tree farm, it takes a long time. You've got a lot of inventory sitting out there exposed to whatever can happen. So many things can happen. So many things can go wrong. I remember times that you have freezing rain is awful. You know, freezing rain, enough of that will pull down those branches. And and now you have an awful looking tree, right? Maybe all the branches don't break, Mm. but it's now not attractive enough to sell. So 
I remember times where, you know, my parents wouldn't sleep overnight because there was a freezing rain warning and they, they couldn't do anything, but they would just be up watching, you know, waiting, wondering what was going to (laughs) happen because they've got six or seven years worth of inventory built up out in that field. Have you ever read the Little House on the Prairie books? No, I haven't. Because they're really upsetting when it comes (laughs) to like exactly what you're saying. They're like, okay, uh, the wheat's good. We're going to sell it at the (laughs) the market next week. And then, wait, what's that swarm of grasshoppers doing? It's like what farming is so precarious and unpredictable. So, yeah, what a a stress to have. And just like they had trees were the product. Like, trees were the product and it's not like it's a revolving crop or anything no. that like that's also stressful of course because yeah. especially if the grasshoppers no, there's no do over every year it's no it's you've got to commit for five six years yeah. before you get something that's sellable well i gotta meet your parents someday because yeah. you gotta have a, you, a specific type of personality to be able to deal with this to go through it to go through it yeah. right yeah. so now knowing all of this was that part of why you're like ah, i'm gonna go well what did you take in school I took engineering, physics, and management. Okay. So it was a dual degree. At Mac, at Mac you could do a, sure. a fifth year and add business, and then all of your electives would be business courses. You should add business to everything. It's Everybody pretty, should add business it was to pretty all neat. the things. Yeah. <laughs> and so I really enjoyed engineering, but as a career, you know, no. especially what I was doing, it's very boring. You're, you're doing research. You're stuck in a nuclear power plant or you something. You did it, though. You did it for I a didn't. Bit? No, you didn't all. even do I any didn't at engineering. All. So, okay. So, you do, uh, you get your so bachelor's I, I did degree. both. Finished both. Okay. But du- said business degree. was, yeah, business was the what I wanted to focus on as okay. a career. And I ended up getting hired by Labatt Breweries. They had a management oh. trainee program. Okay. And so, there was 24 of us that got hired at once. And I think that was the first big year that they, they did this. Yeah. And they wanted to bring people in and teach them the culture and, you know, sure. how, how they worked and right from the ground up. Right? So they came to Mac or you just applied? They were all this? over, okay, uh, you know, U of T and uh, Queens. And, you know, I think it was fairly, there were some people from UBC. So all over the place, yeah. you know, really intense hiring process, you know, where you would go and sit in front of three or four of their VPs and they would be, you know, three on one, right? Sort of asking you questions and, you know, it's like a... That's intense. Very intense. Very intense. So really intense interview process. And, you know, I was just lucky enough to get in. But this goes back to your reading the, the business papers. You're like, this is awesome. Was Possibly. that how you felt? Did you feel that way? I did. I, I really enjoyed it. So I actually did some research on the beer industry before going into sure. that interview. Because I'm like, I kind of want to know what's happening. And the beer industry is tough. It's very stagnant. And, you know, there's not a lot of growth. So okay. I had a lot of points to talk about. And I think yeah. that, you know, it was very... It was what they were, and only in hindsight did I know this, right? But the things that I was talking about are the things that they were talking about. Oh, and so it just wow. sort of clicked. And I think that's what, you know, put me over the edge a little bit is that. Like, how do you know all this stuff? That's right. They're <laughs> like, do you know anybody? Like, are you, like, do you have parents that work in the industry? No. Like, trees. Yeah. They, like... they grow trees. <laughs> I just read some articles. Um, they, they like beer. They do like beer. Yeah. yeah. And it's nice to have a cold beer after working on that. Sure. Farm. And so yeah. I guess that, that probably helps too. I was never a big beer drinker myself. I'm not either anymore. No, not no. anymore. And even not really. Well, that. we don't uh, what happened at Labatt? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just too much. It was great the first few years. You're young. Yeah. You know, you're working for your beer industry. How does it work? Do you get free beer? Yeah. Like what? When? Two Is cases it? a month. Really? They give you like uh, vouchers or? They used to. It used to be a, a voucher. You would go to the beer store. Yeah. Now they, it's a credit card, of course. So right? you get two cases of beer a month. So that's what? 48. So that's like a beer a day plus on some days you have two. 
Yeah, I suppose. I never drank that no, much. You didn't. So we, you I would give it give away. Give it to your parents? Yeah. I would give it to my parents, to parents. my friends, you know, it's six packs. Part. and Yeah. So everybody, of course, loves that, right? You show up to a party, you've got a case <laughs> of beer. You're the beer guy. You're the beer guy. Wow. Yeah. And you've got beer merch. They're giving away t-shirts and hats and all that sort of stuff. I have a similar experience. I worked for Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment yeah. for six years. So and you so get, you know, tickets, that stuff floats around. Tickets. Leafs tickets, because um, I'm not a sports fan, right? So... Leafs tickets are like uh, having gold. And uh, would you like this bar of gold? That's right. And That's so right. people would really enjoy it. And people who would enjoy it the most, right? So you people who really like beer and yeah. like free things. You yeah. give them, and the merch. You would share would that. It. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a pretty cool, as a young person, a pretty cool place to work. And then okay. it's How many intense. Years? How 12 years. You worked there for 12 years? Yeah. In a variety of different roles. Wow. Yeah. Okay. They're okay. amazing at giving you opportunities. So See, this is why I don't delve like deep down into somebody's story too much because i like to say wow that's a long time it, is, it was a very long <laughs> but like, time let's just skip over i know everything about and this your was from the first history. like my first job yeah you know in a corporate right setting, out of the university right out of university and then you know every year year and a half it would be in a different role okay and they so were very comfortable with that yeah and that's what, and that you were obviously comfortable with that too yeah yeah you wanted I'm to learn new about experience and keep sort of pushing and you know okay, learn so new things so you don't have to pay back money for school because your parents covered it. So you coming into this, you have consumer debt. Did you get any credit cards in university at all? No, okay. no, not in a bad way. Okay, like not enough. Just in a like on, I got a on a regular thing yeah, or yeah. Okay, so you're coming out with no debt really, and you're making a nice salary at Labatt to start. Fairly good. Okay, good enough. Good enough. You're living where? They for the first few months they would put you up. Because they're moving you around. They yeah. want you to sort of experience You're the moving around location to location? Location where, to location. Like where are the locations? Across Canada? We did a few months in, so London and yeah. Toronto. London's the big headquarters. That's no? right. Yeah. So they, well, they have their, their office in Toronto. And yeah, then they okay. have, you know, the biggest brewery is The biggest in brewery is in London. Okay, right. The head office is in Toronto. So we yeah. had to learn, you know, how the beer is made, how it's brewed, you know, the science behind it. They sort of took us through all the basics of You know of everything. everything about beer, we don't have. you? That, that was like the now, purpose. Do you know now like are you like could you just Ooh. talk someone's ear off about beer or no. you forgot it i think i've forgotten a lot okay. of the okay. but <laughs> if 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 somebody were to talk about it you know it would all come yeah of course back, probably that's but interesting yeah, i couldn't teach you how to brew beer at the no moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well i was hoping for a course in brewing beer <laughs> yeah. even though i stopped drinking 10 it is years fascinating ago. It is. but okay so you're moving around they put you up in some places and yeah. then uh, eventually you're paying your own away yeah around, so or? then you get your first job mine happened to be in london um i was a packaging manager so i was managing okay. a bottling line with a crew of unionized employees sure and uh, you know we, we were putting out i can't remember what it was 900 bottles a minute yeah you know that was that was the rate of beer that was flowing so, out and that was only one to three lines your packaging manager so that's like so like 23 year old me yeah is managing this group of unionized employees you know a some lot of these guys been in the union for a while of yeah. course yeah. yeah you know okay. they're in their 50s some sure. getting close to retirement they're making and, way more money than you Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Way more. And, you know, they're, it's, it's a repetitive job, right? So they're, is, yeah. they're doing the same thing every day and they do rotate a little bit. Some of the guys were great. Some of the guys were a little bit tough, okay. uh, especially, you know, being a little bit younger. So you got to get to know them and 
So that was my first, that was a year I spent there in that packaging line. You're working in a factory and then an office and all of this different stuff. All you get the whole experience working for a big uh, company like that. Because I worked for companies that didn't really make anything, right? So yeah. you don't get that experience. And you would also, like the closest I got maybe was working with event staff at, uh, at the ACC, okay. right? And then people who are working their, their, yeah. their part-time, So you right? see how the show... They were union and yeah. lots of unions, right? But, you know, you're, you're working, like you're managing these guys? Managing them, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're you know figuring out problems. Like it's never it never works perfectly, right? So you've got all these machines so and so many moving parts. So many moving parts and so many things break, and you need to you need to keep that line going because there's there's very little inventory being held. I mean that's the goal is that well it's beer is coming off the yeah. line and it's going to the customer. It's going to the beer store. That's that's a lot of pressure. So how did it feel like pressure to you? A little bit. You had you're, targets. You're in your twenties. Yeah, it was exciting. It was exciting. So like twenty three, you said to thirty five. So when did you leave Labatt? A couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So okay, we'll get to that. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about your money in in this uh, time. So you're making decent money. You're now in Toronto, did you say? Yeah. So I moved in with my uh, my girlfriend at the time, yep. now wife. Yeah. Um, she had a small apartment, Ronceville sort okay. of area. Not and cheap. Not cheap, so yeah. it was a very small place. Yeah, and I moved in with her, and I, you know, that wasn't the long term plan. <laughs> so I moved. I sort of tricked her. She, I think she said she, I tricked her a little bit. Um, <laughs> okay. So I was looking for a house. So I had been saving my money. Yeah. These last couple of years. So making salary. You don't have any debts. Don't have debt. Not major debt. And so I'm, you know, putting away fairly good amount every month. So okay. I've got, you know, it's 2008 now. I've got about thirty thousand to put mm. down on a down payment. All right. But it's Toronto, right? So I'm looking at places yeah. where thirty thousand could be a down payment. Wait, what year did you just say? Two thousand eight. Okay, let's yeah. continue the story. Yeah. So <laughs> we, um, you know, my wife, you know, girlfriend at the time, is coming with me to look at these places. Yeah. And because it's just me first looking. You know, she kind of sees this and says, oh, goodness, like if, you know, if I'm moving in, yeah. if she's eventually, she's thinking, if I'm going to move into this place with this guy, yeah. I want it to be nice. I don't want it to be, you know, this. She right? needs to be part of this decision. She wants to be a part of it. So For we sure. sort of have that discussion. She's like, okay, I'm I'm part of this now. We're going <laughs> to pool our money. Sort of an early, like, uh, commitment uh, conversation. Like I said, I, I she says I tricked her a bit yeah. into this, right? <laughs> tricked her a little bit. It was never the goal. That's but a good, uh, you know talk about buying a house together and yeah. see where it goes yeah. yeah so we did things a little bit backwards in that sense all right and um we started looking for a house together and she's always been a great saver so she you know she graduated she paid a lot of her university herself but she graduated with money in the bank yeah you know she worked at a daycare the entire time so she's she's a great saver good budgeter so she had money as well so she so says both have money to put let's pool this. this together and let's get you know let's get that starter house together in toronto yeah um and and so that you know we talk about big money moments sure this is this is like my second big money moment is not buying that house but it happened a little bit earlier so it's 2008 yeah september august september and I'm getting, I've got 30000 in the bank, earning no interest. Yeah. You know, sort of frustrating. Just in the bank? Just in the bank. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you're, it's an emergency fund. Or, you, oh, wait, well, do you know anything about money at this point? Are you not, not as much as I do now, for sure. Yeah. I knew a little bit about money, but, but not enough. No, you're not, not, ta- you're not in so the personal I, finance space in your head. No, no. Okay. no. And I make probably the biggest money mistake of my life. Sure. I invest that $30,000 down payment. Oh, no. 
And, and not only do I invest it, so like that's one mistake, right? So I'm, you, you don't invest your down payment. That's a short term. Yeah, everybody knows that. Exactly. Everybody <laughs> knows that. So mistake number one. Mistake number two, I invested 100% in stocks. No. <laughs> and remember, it's 2008, like st- right? Like individual stocks? Yeah. And, and mistake number three, it was all one stock. No, what stock? Rim. Oh, Blackberry. No. <laughs> oh, man. Awful. Awful. And not literally like three weeks after me making this investment, does Blackberry just plummet? Wow. And I lost $16,000. Oh, no. Like half of it, basically. Half of it. Well, more than half, I yeah. guess. And 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 oh. let me tell you that feeling. I can feel it right now. Yeah, I can feel that feeling. It was the most awful feeling I have ever felt in my life. And 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 it wasn't just the fact that I lost the money, but I felt it was embarrassing, right? Like I sure. I had explained to my girlfriend like, this is what happened. I was ashamed. It was embarrassing. I was ashamed. Because what's the timeline here? You were, you had just started talking about pulling the down payment. Yeah, we're looking at houses together. And it was already invested at this point. Like no, you, no, no. So and, we and we and looked for then a while. You decide. We looked for a while. What so was we, the decision? What what, uh, what? I think it was. I got antsy. I got you know. It's just sitting there. It's just sitting there. Somebody said, "Yeah," and I don't know when we're going to buy. Your money. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't even because you're it was still that. looking. Yeah, you we're don't still know how looking. Long the, the and it's and take. it's you know buying a starter house in Toronto. It's it takes a long time. There sure. was you know this was 2007 2008. You still got bidding the bidding wars processes. That's yeah. right. We hadn't entered that it's great horrible. recession yet. It's yeah. awful. Yeah, and so we we felt discouraged. You know, who knows if this is going to happen? That's so right. then okay. You know, fall of 2008, I invest this money. Ugh. The bottom falls out of the market, not literally like no. four weeks later. And I'm, and $16,000 has just disappeared. Ugh. Just disappeared. And it, you wouldn't, like, I can't even convey to you how that felt because it just <laughs> felt more than awful. Like, literally, I wanted to vomit, like, for a week. It was just this physical... I feel sick. You know, I always uh, I feel like people don't know what it feels to go through my gambling addiction that I went through and to win and lose 20000 in a day. But I feel like this comes pretty close and it might even be worse. I don't know because I was already used to gambling losses. This, you're not used to use no. losing anything. No. So I don't know. I, don't, I know, I I know you, what I felt. I know win. it was. <laughs> I know it was like nothing I've ever felt before. Wow. And wow. so then I, you know, it took me a few days, but... You know, I tell my girlfriend, yeah, uh, you know, now wife, yeah. and she's like, it's fine. So, <laughs> you know, it's not it's good. Not fine. It's not good. Not fine for you. I mean, okay, it's not like you went into debt. No. First of all, like that, that there's a lot of positives here. Yeah. You, but did this change your brain? Like, did this change 100%. the way you look? So, okay. So, 100%. you're like, somebody said put money in RIM all in one stock. Um, I'm not going to read any personal finance books. And now that was, that was the thing that started it. Because right after that, of course. Right yeah. after so, that. So right because now, now I say like, what have I done? Like, what have I done? Yeah. Mistakes on mistakes on mistakes. Of course. I can't ever do this again. No. So now, now I'm like, I need to educate myself so that this never, you know, I don't want to ever feel that feeling again. Right. Why do we have to go through these big things? <laughs> Those shocks. Why yeah. can't we just be like, yeah. In, in re, oh, invested 10% of my income. Fantastic. For 40 years. Sounds yeah. great. It's that experience. Let's do that. You need the experience. You have to go through something, right? Yeah. Uh, so I'm unfortunately, my, my yeah. experience was minus 16,000. Yes. But, uh, you know, it's, it, it's not, uh, yeah, you can start over. And, uh, and, and w- yeah. in a way, yours is the best version of, of this because you didn't go into a bunch of debt. You didn't 
Nobody got hurt. Yeah. But you got the effect of having something really bad happen. And That's right. Is, losing $16,000 is really bad. I'm not diminishing it at all. No. I'm just saying, like, you didn't, you know, lose a limb or anything, no. you know. It was a very valuable lesson. Yeah, it was. Worth a, way more than 16000 Right? Now. Way more. Yeah. So we, we did end up buying a house in, um, I think we put in the offer in, like, February, March 2009. And we sort of lucked out a bit because. The prices went down. A little bit, yeah. And okay. at least there, there wasn't any bidding wars at the time. Yeah. So we sort of squeaked in there. And then things started to go back up. Smart. And, you know, I had this great lesson. Oh, and wow. so I'm starting to educate myself. Yeah. And this is the start of, like, that 10-year bull market. Sure. Okay. And so that's why I say, like, yeah, it was a, it was an expensive lesson. But I feel like over the course of the last 10 years, you know, oh, yeah. I've only benefited you know, I, I benefited way more than than that sixteen thousand dollars initially cost me, just because I, I put in that work. I learned, you know, about index, passive index investing. So, know. are you reading? Are, are, so, intelligent okay. investor. That yeah. was that was probably okay. one of the first. Yeah. You know, and so that that had a good balance of you know active versus passive. It had that conversation. Yes. Uh, back and forth. Um, you know, a couple Warren Buffett books. You know, you know uh, Bernstein. I can't remember which one. He's got a few of them. So it was all these investing. So you're books. already having a business background. Now you're getting the personal finance. Yeah, education. went through that awful, awful experience, and and you're reading. And uh, are you blogging? When do you start blogging? Or are you writing about this? Is that happening? No, 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 no. I didn't get into that till much later. Okay, yeah. so that's la- that's later. So this is 2009. Yes, let's say. Yes. And uh, now, so now you you still have your your paycheck from the bat coming yeah. in. Yeah. And what are you doing with that money now? So we're we're saving it. I'm are starting you paying the mortgage. We're paying yeah, the mortgage. Yeah, so that course. that's the other big thing. We start investing it. You know, I we're doing things still separately. We haven't gotten married yet. We got married in, in May, yeah, 2010. Okay. So that happens. And um so one thing is we we started I started a joke with my wife. She again, amazing budgeter. Yeah. That's always been her thing. Not necessarily my thing. And she starts um you know, she's been really good at budgeting. So I start bugging her about, you know, how do we pay off this debt? Like, you make us a budget so we can pay off this mortgage. Sure. And it started as a joke, and then it started to sort of become more real, right? Okay. So, you know, we get a raise at work, or, you know, there's a bonus that comes in. Maybe we didn't expect it. And what are we going to do with that money? Like, you know, TFSA, RSP, but there's a little bit left over. We put it against the mortgage. Okay. And that started, we got this itch of like, this is, this This is cool. Yeah. Yeah. This is low risk. You know, I've already, I've been through this super awful experience (laughs) just recently (laughs) and paying off the mortgage is super low risk. So let's make a plan. Let's get rid of that mortgage. And she's all on board because she hates debt. Okay. And so that, that was like 2010, 11 is we decide to pay off that mortgage and we make a plan build a little amortization schedule and start playing around with it. How big was it? How long was the amortization? Seven period? years was the first, okay. was the first iteration. And this was like taking everything. We were reaching. You're, you're, we were reaching. That was your we would be liquidating goal. TFSAs. Yeah. Sure. You know, my wife was at CIBC at the time. They got shares, you know, every, they would get okay. share matching. We would be taking all of our shares and liquidating and put them yeah. against them. But seven years, it could be gone. Okay. And so, so you that, knew the possibility. We knew the possibility yeah. and that really got us motivated imagine only like owning your home outright in toronto in toronto do you like you can to say any details but what area we were in the east end so we yeah. were in past the nice part of the danforth yeah, okay. yeah. That's so where we not to. leslieville not the danforth we bought not a one of the older houses they had um torn down like a an old warehouse and so there was uh 
these townhouses, you know, semi-detached from the 1980s. Okay, yeah. You know, really solid, but for some reason nobody wanted them. And so we got sure. in there. Okay. And at, at still a fairly good price at the time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so you you're you figure out if we just basically extreme frugality, what is it? Uh, what does John call it? Uh, gorilla frugality. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're gonna pay this mortgage down, and you you decided the seven years, or you you decided on that. Well, that's what the way the numbers worked. Okay. You know, that's, and then you that's, tried. Then we tried. Okay. And we started making changes. So that's when I started biking to work. So okay. we started making these sort of lifestyle so changes. Really? Like everything, or this is a, this is a Sean Cooper story. Or yeah. Every, well, happening? not that extreme, <laughs> not that extreme, but it was along those lines of, yeah. you know, let's start, you know, we had this goal and it was our first big, you know, real taste of like a big personal finance goal. Yeah. And we started to make these lifestyle changes. So, you know, I was biking to work. We were starting to, you know, cook all of our own food. You know, you ordered in a lot before. And um, you went out to a lot of restaurants. We started really making a budget. Yeah. You know, simple, basic stuff, but really like dialing back. And you had a goal. And that was the we main thing, right? Very it wasn't specific. a budget for just, you know, being and, and good citizens. It was a budget to achieve this goal. And that was the difference. Yeah. You know, it was this very specific goal that we were both motivated by. So we were both on the exact same page. And hmm. we were both trying to outdo each other on how we could save. <laughs> oh, you gamified it for yourself. We totally did. Wow. So how'd it go? It went really well. We paid it off in 2014. Okay. It took us five years. Wow. Yeah. Wait, how? That You got raises and stuff that you didn't anticipate? That was it. Okay. That was that was a little... Side so we, hustles? Not really. No, it was, really. It was more the, uh, you know, we didn't really put a lot of raises in there. We did, we did liquidate our TFSAs. Yeah, okay, sure. So that, we benefited from that because we had been investing in our TFSA. Yeah. And then the plan was always, if it gets to a certain amount. Then we're going to use it. Then we're going to pull it out. No tax consequences. No tax consequences. Nice. So that's what we did. And we ended up paying off our mortgage two days before our first daughter was born. Wow. Yeah. So May 29th, or yeah, May, May 19th. And our daughter was born on May 21st. And in, so. In 2014. In 2014. Wow. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, five years old. Five now. years. Yeah. In, well, in soon. Yeah. Yeah. Just coming turning? Up in May. Coming up in yeah. May. Okay. Yeah. So, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And now you're like. Well, now we need to replenish the TFSAs. Yeah. Yeah. So you're working on that. But so you've had five years, but we've had kids. Yeah. Um, but you're living. Well, wait, you don't live in Toronto. Not anymore. No. Okay. So no. you. You pay for this house and then you sell it, or a you few still years, have it? A few years after, no, we sold it. Okay, we moved to London. My wife's family's from London. Yeah, so, you know, now with children, we have a, a second daughter was born, and it was at that time we we always had a plan to move back to London to that area to be close to the family, and yeah. it's also closer for my family because they're in in Hamilton, you know, between Brantford and Hamilton. So this was this was a lifestyle change we wanted yeah. to make, and it just seemed like it was the right time. Okay, so w at what point then during this whole process are you? Is the spark in your head like, you know, I want to make, I want to do something in personal finance myself? Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, I had been learning a lot. Yeah. But the real spark was I came across Sandy Martin from Spring sure. Financial Planning. Yeah. And I think that was also the Because Money podcast. Because yeah, Great so podcast. the but Because Money podcast, and you know, she does. She's out there a lot on Twitter, you know, in, in blogs. And yeah. so I came across her in 2013, 2014, and she was this ex-banker, 
you know, that had transitioned into fee-for-service financial planning. Yeah, so she's a big advocate of that. Big Don't, advocate, you know, yeah. and was very vocal about it. And so I came across her, you know, on some personal finance blog and it clicked for me. I said, this is how, this is how financial services should work. Yeah. It should be advice only. It should be, you know, it should be completely aligned with the client and there shouldn't be any question about, you know, what's being sold or, you know, are there any ulterior motives? So, so is it, uh, just explain it just a little bit. So uh, fee for service, does this, are there two different ways of doing this, like a flat fee or a percentage of your assets or no or neither? So I think the definition, so fee only is yeah. the words that people usually use when it's, there's an AUM, an assets, yeah, under, assets management under management fee. So that's fee only because it's a fee based on the assets. They don't get paid for, su- for uh, like buy the mutual fund company. Like that's that, right. That's, so it's that's a difference. Right. It's a little bit clear. Model. Exactly. Okay. So that's and assets then, under management. And, and that's, that's fee only. Okay. Fee for service yeah. is really, there's none of that. Flat fee. It's just a flat or a, fee. Or an a, it's, hourly. It's hourly, yeah. you know, yeah. or a package rate. But it's not based on the, I believe you million dollars or none of 10 that. million dollars or a hundred dollars you could have matter. you could have a yeah. hundred thousand of debt yeah. and it, it doesn't matter you're, you're all advice. exactly okay exactly so it's very democratic and you know it's still expensive and that's sort of what with my business now you know i want to to make it a little bit less expensive more accessible yeah, so as, as i as i say typically at this point uh, uh, we're about, you know, maybe an hour in. Now you can tell the name of your business. That's right. So <laughs> I started a, um, it's basically a financial planning startup. So it's planeasy.ca. Okay. And the goal is to make fee-for-service financial planning, so advice-only financial planning, yep. easier, more accessible, and less expensive. That's right. And so that's online, you know, that's more automated. And it's all, it's very targeted towards, you know, not you know, with a net worth of a million or two million. That's right. You know, we can do that. Just starting out when you need just it Just starting most, out, right? you know, when you have a little bit of money or when you're a bit uncertain or when you're... Somebody, sorry to pick on you, but when somebody comes to you and says, I have $30,000, where should I put it? Right? Because it's my Let's first talk time about your doing goals. it. Let's, Let's talk <laughs> about your goals. Right? Yeah. If you are making the thing that you wish, you well, you... That I had. You would have really benefited from. Exactly. Not that they, not that your money wouldn't have gone down a little bit because it was just of a course market it crash. Yeah. However, if not you, my down payment, no, not no. And that, they would have never told you to put your down exactly. payment away. That's kind of the first. Yeah. So, yeah. The, the, like you just said, what are your goals? You would have said, oh, I want to save for down payment. They're like, uh, there's a high interest here's, savings account. Here's how put you it do in it. There. Yeah. That's right. And it's so simple when you think back, right? Uh, and I mean, I, I'm I'm glad to see that you're smiling. Yeah. Because <laughs> The last thing I want to do is make you upset about this. I, I know what it's like to have bad things happen in the past and to talk about it, uh, you know, just jokingly or uh, because we were, we were not in that place anymore. Right. right? And it's, it's important to, to move on and learn from it and then use our experience to help others. So yeah. you're doing that. Yeah. It's shaped what I'm doing now and who I am and. So, so when I, did you start this? When did you start? Like so when did Plan Easy come to to be? I guess? Two years ago it started. Yeah, and it's it's evolving. And um, so at the moment we offer one on one fee for service financial plans mm-hmm. for a thousand dollars. Okay. But the goal is to make that even less expensive. Sure. So something that is in the five hundred, two hundred and fifty dollar range that maybe is more automated, and you're not necessarily talking to a person unless you want to or need to. Yeah. But that you can do the sort of thing that I would have benefited from, like planning out your goals, 
you know, I have this amount of money, here are my goals, let's map and optimize this and figure out where the best way to, you know, to get there. And this is, are, are you a survivor financial planner or how does it work? Uh, yes. Yeah. So I've got my FPSC level one. So I did my, yeah. you know, that when I saw Sandy and, and saw her on those blogs, that sort of got things started. So I yeah. did my financial planning certificate at Ryerson, sure. you know, while oh, I was in okay. Toronto, that. Nice. did that in night school for, for two years, 2014 to 2016. Okay, nice. You know, I write the FPSC level one. So that's the first, first exam. Yeah. yeah. So did that 2017. You got to be working with an advisor, right? To, no, to, you can no? be independent. Oh, and no, so that's that, good. Yeah. So you can be independent. You just have to provide more proof. Um, so then I did the CFP exam last year and, so now it's just about, you know, keeping that business kind of growing. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So so you did the exam and so does that you say you said at FPSC level 1. Yes. Does that mean there's another level? So you need 3 <laughs> years of work experience. So after right. within a few months we're going to have the uh the CFP all finished and then yeah. and then I can apply for that. Yeah, because uh, well you don't have to be a, a certified planner to nope. make a plan. No. Nope. And what do you think about that? I mean, that does, this is the, the, I don't make full plans like you would, for example. Yeah. I know the plot process. I got this little thing called registered retirement consultant yeah. that I could get without being a CFP yeah. because I just feel like I've, I don't care about designations, right? Yeah. I see like you're, this is what you're doing, right? For That's me, right. I'm very uh, casual coach. Yeah. I'm pointing in the right direction. I can help you make a little plan. If yeah. they want a big plan, yeah. they go to you. That's right. Right. If they want even a bigger plan, they can go to somebody else. Yeah. But th- like often people at the beginning don't need more than what, well, you're going to give them a full cycle. We're going to give a, we're going to give every client a full plan no matter what. Which is what, what let's, let's talk about what's in a full plan. A full plan is, is everything. I mean, it's looking at income expenses, debt assets, um, you know, the way you're investing and it's looking at that every year and mapping out those goals that you want. And we're sort of placing those goals along that timeline and saying, you know, here's where children might happen. Here's where a home purchase might happen. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe a cottage is, you know, a goal in the future, and here's what retirement, you know, this is my ideal retirement date or financial independence or I whatever, like that you know, better. whatever yeah. that word is and whatever, whatever you want to have yeah. happen. I want to retire at 47. I want to be able to stop working. Exactly. Yeah. In my mid forties or, you know, early fifties. I think I might buy a house. Yeah. Let's and put that in. And so let's see what, what that looks like and how do we get there in the best way possible. Do you make your own software or you're using software? So I use at the core of my plans, yeah. I use Snap Projections. Yeah, I like so Snap. It's very lightweight. I, I but used to have Snap uh, very powerful. when I was thinking of doing full plans. Yeah. Um, very powerful stuff. You can put in various um, events and stuff that That's happen right. as you go, right? That's right. So it's, it's very easy. Yeah, and the and a plan is malleable, right? Yeah. It, it needs to be really, really flexible so that when somebody says, you know what, I don't want to do that anymore, you're yeah. like, well, we made that plan Easy to set change. in stone. Yeah. I'm sorry you can't change yeah. anything. Nobody wants to hear that. And you can have a couple of scenarios, right? So you can look at, you know, house purchase or no, you know, children a little bit later. Yeah. You know, what if I retire a little bit earlier? Can I do part-time work? And I think um, what people forget about uh, financial planning software is that it's very country specific. Yes. And because I've had people in the States say, hey, try my you know, retirement calculator. And I'm like, no, no, no. like the, 
what? Like, this is Canada. We have things called the, the, the two things, yeah. two major things yeah. called the Canada Pension Plan yeah. and Old Age Security. That's right. And we don't have the same thing as other countries. So if you're using a calculator... No, it, it doesn't translate. It doesn't because no. it does make a big difference when you start getting checks from the government. Huge or difference. maybe you won't get checks from the yeah. government. You need to have that in the software to figure out. And you need out. to know what that check, how much that check is going to be. That's right. Because it's worth a lot. Like those CPP and OAS payments represent a big chunk of people's retirement income. So if you can't figure out exactly how much somebody's going to get, how can you build a retirement plan? I mean, it's all guesswork after that. Like even so, if, like just to, to sort of interrupt, just, even if there's a situation they give you like, I want to financial independence at 40 and that's still like, you know, 20 at least minimum years before they start getting CPP benefits. Yeah. You still want to know that at 60, hey, you know what? You're going to need less income because your CPP benefits are going to kick in. And Absolutely. at 65, your OAS is going yeah. to kick in. Even if you, you they don't care about that stuff and they're not counting on it, you need to have it in there as a yeah. scenario. And it won't be a lot of CPP because no. they, they've not worked for if it. If they've not worked. That's yes. right. But, if but they, we, I still want to know exactly what it's going to be. You want to know how yeah. much it's going to be. Yeah. And, and Based uh, on what they contributed and what, you know, maybe part-time income in the future. It's not complete without that. And I, 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 I bring it up because I think it's a really big thing and yeah. people think they can just plug things into an Excel spreadsheet. No. And you can. You can get a general you can get idea. Close. You can get close. But, but the government benefits, uh, whether you believe in them or not, yeah. they can make a big difference. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my parents are, are at retirement age at this point. And yeah. so that is something that... You know, they are now getting those benefits. Yeah. And makes a big difference. If they weren't getting those benefits, they'd have to rejig this or that, yeah. right? It's a it's something that's uh it's real. Uh who knows like they do plan out for seventy five years uh, the C P P when they invest their stuff. Oh. So it's, it's one like, of the best pension plans in the it world. It is. So it's like a lot of people say, Oh, I don't know that it'll be around. Well, I mean You're it'll making be here things in seventy five years. Yeah. So incorporate that. That's right. That's right. If you don't include CPP in your calculations, you're just making everything else more difficult, more difficult than it needs to be. Yeah. And why? Like, you know, there's a there's an opportunity cost to saving that money today. And if we can anticipate CPP, you know, you can spend a bit more. You can you can make different choices. So let's let's make sure it's as accurate as possible. And that's, that's the other, yeah. you know, CPP and OAS are good, but a lot of seniors are getting, you know, GIS, guaranteed income. They don't make enough. Yeah. A third of seniors in Canada yeah. get that. And so that's where I need to add to SNAP projections. So that's mm. the core of the plan. But I calculate benefits, you know, child benefits. So you're, you're going to see sure. you've got your Canada child benefit. Yeah. If you have two, three, you know, four children, that's significant. And mm. many people don't realize there are clawbacks based on your income. That's right. And if you contribute to an RSP, your income is lower, according to the government. So you can get more from your Canada Child Benefit if you make that TFSA RSP contribution in the right way. So you can do things that take advantage of all these tax rules that work for whatever the individual needs, yeah. right? And and that's something that you can't, you just can't figure out yourself. It's it's insane. The tax things are one of the huge benefits. The talking about uh you know your goals and figuring out wh where to put money in that kind of thing that's good too. The main thing and and this is what Carl Richards says. And I'm sure you've read the one page financial plan or or whatever. Yeah. Anything by Carl Richards. 
it's like it's the you're the thing between uh, me and stupid the thing that you needed yeah right yeah. that's what a like a coach like a coach is the basic sort of person to do that hey should i put this, all this money and it's like i can't tell you where to put your money but don't do that that's right, right. It, i could have said let that. me worry about the details i could have i could have said very specifically like oh it's for a down payment no, that's fine. I mean, let's no, let's send you over to somebody who can legally tell you where to put that money yeah, <laughs> specifically. That's right. But wow, I feel like I've just contributed a lot of value yeah. before that stage. Yeah. It's like you need somebody. Even financial advisors and planners need somebody because like it's too complex. Emotions, yeah, right? it's it's there's a lot of things happening and you know, you need to yeah, you need to work to understand what those goals are, but then there are implications one way or the other, depending on, you know, all of these programs that exist. So not only are you figuring out what they want and when they want it, but also how that jives with, you know, tax rates, government benefits, you know, even the way that uh, you're drawing down assets yeah. matters, right? So that's another thing that needs to be layered on is I hate it when I see a bank graph and it's got that constant rate of return. Like that doesn't happen. <laughs> that never happens. Like yeah. how are you showing somebody's retirement? It's got this great buildup and this nice drawdown. I'm like, that's not reality. No. So things happen. Things happen. So what's the scenario and what do we do? And you know, we need to talk about that is what happens if yeah. investment returns are flat for 10 years. Let's look at different scenarios. Let's look at all those scenarios. And you can make different scenarios with yeah. financial planning software. Fast. Which is nice. Which right? is so nice. Yes. And of course, that costs money. It to, does. Uh, on a monthly, which is w why you need to charge money. Just one of the reasons why you need yeah. to charge money because you have all the tools, right? You have the tools, you have the knowledge, you have the skills. You specifically have the experience that you're drawing from yeah. that people can relate to, which is also very important. So well, this is great. So you go from, you know, I mean, trees, <laughs> trees to beer. To big mistake, <laughs> but you know, you, you bought the house. That that you know that always works out for people yeah, in absolutely. hindsight. You know, when they bought that house a long, a long time ago, and you don't know any of this stuff when you're in it, though, right? Like you're just you're just taking a chance. Everybody's taking a chance. There's risk in everything, but it, you know, if you you know, you just build your money, save up your money, and then talk to somebody to try to get ideas yeah. and do do what works for you. And, and then you've got flexibility and that's options. Right. and Exactly. Yeah. Don't No rash decisions. I think that's probably the best <laughs> advice you can give to anybody. Like, just stay, pause. Yeah. Pause for a sec. And go right? ask for some help. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> and that wasn't specifically picking on you. It's everybody does that. You know, like, we, we think so much about what type of milk we're going to buy at the grocery store. And then we go ahead and just be like, oh, whatever you say, banker, I'll put it, I'll put, use that mutual fund. What's a fee? I don't care. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I don't know. Like nothing goes through people's heads. That's what I think. It's just, they don't want to think about it. Yeah. And so. And it's sure. not easy. The information's it's not, not readily available. As so. somebody said recently, uh, it's like, it is confusing in general because finances are confusing, but there are things that the, in, the system does to make it intentionally confusing as well. 100%. And so that just, you know. You're trying to, so plan easy, obviously trying to make it easier. Yeah, right. extremely easy. <laughs> we want to, you know, we want to take care of all that math and we really just want to talk about, you know, what's the goal and what yeah. do you want and how do we get there? That's what it is, right? That's what, it, that's what it's all about. Okay, so planeasy.ca. Planeasy.ca. And they can go on there, they can send you a message. Yeah, you know. they can start a plan and we'll, uh, 
we'll get in touch and Did they start for free yeah and well we can start we have like, a conversation like started up and yeah no obligation. Know, we want to make sure it's a good fit yeah, so like we we work for with a specific type of client and, yeah. and even if we're not a good fit we'll find somebody yeah that's right know, that is a good maybe fit. you got like you know tons of assets around the world or something maybe you've that's got not a, what you've got an incorporated business yeah that's you've got a, a you've got a spouse which is a u.s citizen like those are sure. all fairly complex Anom- things anomalous things uh require an, a real yeah. there are people and I, i'm thinking of a few right now who are just great at that kind of stuff that's right they charge they a little specialize bit more in that. of course of course but you're going to pay more for special you're going to get their expertise right yeah. and like yeah exactly and uh oh, awesome well thanks for coming on oh, yeah thanks good. for having thanks me. to the studio yeah new appreciate ba- new it new baby beautiful you know yeah. what it's like yeah <laughs> it's amazing all right get some sleep yeah <laughs> i will thank you and that's episode 78 i don't usually do takeaways at the end of a show but there's a pretty clear one here If you're saving money for anything short-term, like a down payment for a house, don't invest it in any product that carries risk. Even the most conservative exchange-traded fund portfolios still move up and down with the market. And if you need money in a few months, even if it only takes less than a year to recover from a market downturn, you'll regret investing that money and it'll affect your plans. And then the most important part is when you do invest your money, never invest it all in one company. That company could go bankrupt tomorrow and never recover. The market as a whole generally recovers from downturns, but every day there are companies whose stock declines and never recovers. Diversify your investments. Hopefully you all know this already, but I had to make it clear just in case. If this was your first time tuning in, you should check out my 75th episode where I have one-minute segments for each of the 74 episodes that came before. It's a quick way to find an episode that you might be interested in without listening to hours and hours of the show. If you're a regular listener, thanks so much for downloading the episodes every week. Another way you can support the podcast is by going to my Patreon site and becoming a patron. The link is at the end of the show notes in most podcast apps. Otherwise, just head to patreon.com slash bowhumphreys. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Patreon's a great tool to help creators get paid for their creations. I also have a Facebook group for the podcast. Head over to Facebook and search for The Personal Finance Show to join the group. Thanks again to Owen for sharing his big money mistake with the world. It's not easy to make mistakes and then tell people about it. That's it for this episode. I'll be back next week with consumer advocate, author, podcaster, and Toronto Star columnist, Ellen Roseman.